the More Sports Now podcast covering both sides of the Hudson. I'm Steve Titchener here with Matt Lachlan and John McAleve in our Jersey studio. Today, it's all about the NFL draft, which means we bring in none other than the Giants beat writer for the Daily News, Pat Leonard. Pat, thanks for joining us. Steve, John, Matt, thanks for having me. Well, great opportunity for the Giants. 12 picks for Dave Gettleman, two in the first round. Now, I checked out your mock draft uh, Pat and some bold picks there. Loved it. You have the Jets trading down actually out of the third pick. Uh, and then Dwayne Haskins and Drew Locke off the board by six with the Giants taking defensive tackle Ed Oliver from Houston. So I'll ask you this Is this how you'd like to see it go, or is this just how you see it going? I guess I don't believe all these NFL GMs when they keep telling me and everyone else that they don't like the quarterbacks because it only takes one, just like with the Odell trade with John Dorsey and, and the Giants. You know, there might be 30 teams who aren't interested or can't make the deal, but it only takes one. And that's how I feel about the quarterbacks in this draft. You know, teams like Washington, who word on the street is they love Haskins, uh, the Broncos. Now people are saying they might go defense, but they've been smitten with Drew Locke throughout this process. Um, and when there's teams like the Giants who are sitting there at six who need a quarterback, and even though a lot of people believe they love Daniel Jones, you know, they could equally love Drew Locke or Will Greer, like I was talking about in the back of the first. You know, teams are trying to gauge at this point, okay, if we love Dwayne Haskins, can we stay at 15 if we're Washington and get him? Or do we have to move ahead of a quarterback-hungry team in New York at six to get him? I know the Jets desperately won out of three. Uh, but the bottom line is, I do think the Giants are looking defense at six most likely and not quarterback. But a lot of these teams can't risk it. And as the information exchange goes, uh, some of them may just have to pay the price and move up. We keep hearing, we quarterback class, we quarterback class. Mm-hmm. But I don't buy it, and I still think five QBs going round one. Pat, how about the Giants at six? First of all, on their big board, do you think that there is a quarterback that sits within the top six on their on their draft board right now? Top six overall players? Yeah, because with them, no. yeah, I mean that's what I would think as a Giants fan. I would think that uh, it's going to be defense, 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 and whichever really good defender falls down to them, uh, they would take. Do you think that they're looking more? edge pass rusher or defensive tackle um, linebacker. I mean, they could, Devin White could fall to them. It could be Josh Kelly. I mean, some of the names, I don't think Quentin Williams is going to get down to them or Nick Bosa. So do you think among, you know, those couple of guys, Kelly, White, maybe Sweat, uh, Ed Oliver, people like that, do you think those might be the names we'll be hearing for Big Blue? Yeah, I, I would add Christian Wilkins to the mix. Uh, the Clemson defensive tackle. Okay. I don't know how high they are on Dexter Lawrence, the other Clemson defensive tackle either, because, you know, Wilkins would be a guy maybe who would create more of a pass rush. Lawrence would be a guy who would just plug the middle and be an immovable object, which is something they, they really honestly need after trading Damon Harrison. So that's, that's what we're trying to gauge here. I totally agree with you that, quarterback is nowhere close to the best player available at six and therefore they're not going there right the only non-defensive player i think would be a now this is a total wild card name to throw out considering their needs on the defensive side of the ball and that offensive tackle which i guess you know like a guy like jonah williams could be possible but i think tj hawkinson the tight end from iowa 
is the off the wall, off the board. Why would the Giants take this guy? Oh, wait a second. He's a great player yeah. name that I would throw at you just because, you know, knowing Pat Shermer, if he created a football player in a lab, I think TJ Hawkinson would walk out of there. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, you know, Evan Engram could be a name that even though the Giants keep talking about moving on with him, he was a name that floated around at the trade deadline this last year. Um, so anyway, when you talk best player available, that really extends across the draft board. So if they love, if they think Hawkinson is a better tight end than someone else is a defensive end, then they'll take Hawkinson. Mm-hmm. Uh, but back to defense, which is the most likely direction, the names you mentioned, you know, Josh Allen, Devin White, either of those guys falling would be great. Uh, Wilkins, Ed Oliver, maybe Dexter Lawrence. And then the other name I would throw in there is Devin Bush from Michigan. Okay. I do think Bush from Michigan, I would put White over him most likely, uh, but James Betcher needs guys who are versatile and who can strengthen the middle of his defense, both on the line um, and at linebacker. And the last thing I would add is that even though people know that the pass rush needs to improve for the Giants, that doesn't necessarily mean a player on the edge like an Allen or a Brian Burns, though I do think they are targets. You could mean a guy like Oliver or Wilkins inside as well. Last thing I would say, you threw Montez Sweat's name at me. Um, you know, Giants have kept things pretty close to the vest, but my understanding, I, I, don't, I don't know for a fact, but I don't believe they will take a risk on him with the medical issue. Yeah, um, what does he have? My, my heart, understanding heart there. Problem. Yeah, my under, I don't know if he's off their board, but I do think that they are less likely to take that chance. And with the Giants, though, Pat, what the hell is going on overall anyway? <laughs> Let's be honest. I mean, I, I look at the back and forth between Gettleman and the media, and you're right out there prodding the bear, and I love it. <laughs> like, what the hell are they doing in East Rutherford? <laughs> Well, well said, succinct and uh, accurate. Your, and your question answers itself, I think, Matt. Um, yeah. yeah, no, I, I guess, how do I summarize it? Um, I think Dave Gettleman feels the pressure. And I think that he is getting defensive about all of the criticism he's receiving for moves that he has made. But what he has to understand is that it's not just coming from giant fans and giant media. When I talk about his questionable moves and when you talk about letting Landon Collins walk out the door and trading Odell for less than what he's worth, et cetera, et cetera, this is information that when I talk to people around the league, they're shaking their heads. You know, other people in NFL front offices, other NFL GMs, even guys who will give Dave the benefit of the doubt, knowing that he knows a ton about football and is a football lifer will still kind of hey, raise he went an eyebrow to seven say, Super Bowls. I went to seven Super Bowls. <laughs> I either know something or I'm a rabbit's foot. What is it? Get <laughs> out of here. Can you, can you imagine, can you imagine taking credit for a Super Bowl appearance as like an intern or as someone <laughs> who's not the GM? You'll appreciate this, Matt, you'll appreciate this. When I covered the Rangers, if you recall, you know, even when Glenn Sather was the GM, then Jeff Gordon kept getting more and more responsibility. And of course was the GM in waiting. And I recall one year when it was pretty well known that even though Glenn was the GM and was making the final calls, 
that Jeff was heavily involved in what was going on. And I recall, you know, basically talking to people at the Rangers and saying, look, you know, if they make this big a move or, you know, this Marty San Luis trade, et cetera, et cetera, who am I really pinning this on for the blame or for the credit? Is, does this go to Jeff Gordon if it works out because he's doing so much work on these things? Or does it go to Glenn Sather? And the answer was, Glenn's the GM. The general manager signs off. It doesn't happen without him. He takes all the blame. He takes all the credit. That's how it works. And I always remember that now because I listened to Dave Gettleman talk about taking credit for seven Super Bowl appearances. And I think, how many of them were you the general manager for the team? Yeah. And so, it's, you know, you can't get you don't deserve credit for anything if you're not the one pulling the strings and answering the phone. Just win, baby. That's what it's about. And I, I again, the plan just seems off the boards. And, you know, and we'll move back to football quickly. But on, on a hockey sense, different animal altogether in terms of its popularity in the media heat. And Lou Lamorello would march to his own drummer. We get that. But he had a track record, even in college. So if you didn't like what he was doing on the professional level uh, until he started really putting up wins, you had to at least say the guy's got an idea. But I don't know what the idea is in East Rutherford. It's uh, it's a bit confusing to say the least. Dave Gettleman, Dave Gettleman doesn't even deserve to be in the same room <laughs> or sentence as Lou Lamorello. Just I, mean, wait, I think you and I would both agree on that. Yeah, no, no doubt. Pat, let's talk about Dwayne Haskins because you know I see a lot of them uh, being a you know Rutgers fan, Big Ten fan. And look, wrap your head around this, guys. I mean, last year, he was a single-season record holder in yards and touchdowns. Oh, by the way, who'd he beat out? Drew Brees in touchdown passes. He had 50 last year. I mean, this guy, he's got a cannon for an arm. He's big. What's the concern there, Pat? Because if he, I would think if he was at six, why wouldn't the Giants jump all over him? What, what is the concern for, that you have for him? Fair question. Um, I think that... There was some concern around the league about him showing up to the combine and not only forget that he ran slow, but then cramping and saying he couldn't Mm -hmm. run again. Um, I think some people were kind of raising their eyebrows at that. Um, uh, A good story came out recently in uh, on NJ.com about, or a couple of good stories about Haskins upbringing in New Jersey with some unanswered questions about, you know, how things went, why he went to Maryland, how it all ended. Um, his father was very difficult. So it sounds like there's, um, sounds like there's some, maybe some too many cooks in the kitchen around, around the guy that maybe the giants would shy away from considering their experiences with some other star players who they wanted to separate themselves from. Um, but I think bottom line is he does fit a lot of what they're looking for as far as size, like you're saying, as far as needing a little bit of seasoning and also being willing to sit a year behind by Manning and right. learn. It's not like Dwayne Haskins would come here and demand to play. Um, but I don't know. I think I think there's also not that this is the you know just I'm just calling this for what it is. This is just a uh, a point I'm making. No, no judgment either way, but it would be interesting for them to draft him. The only time they've ever started a black or African-American quarterback in a game was Geno Smith one time. Mm-hmm. Um, and it would be definitely an, a, uh, a dis- an interesting move to draft an African-American quarterback as your franchise QB. Um, it would be a landmark decision by the Giants. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think he's super talented 
Saquon's played with him at a rivals camp before. He vouches for him. And I do think that someone loves him. I do think right. that team is Washington. Okay. And because you can't totally rule him out to the mm-hmm. Giants at six, even if there are, are uh, concerns throughout the process, that's why I think Washington may actually spend the capital mm-hmm. and make a trade over them to get him. Yeah. Well, you, along the lines with with quarterbacks, I guess there's a there's a theme out there that many think that at six the Giants will go defense, and then uh, at seventeen they'll look to fill that quarterback position if if some of them are still around. And I know, you know, the names are out there: the Drew Locks, the Daniel Joneses. Um, you know, maybe even further down, someone like Will Greer. Uh, if it's not Haskins, who do you seem to think that the Giants like? I know there's a lot of smoke around Daniel Jones. When I saw him play, he didn't set the world on fire for me. Uh, how about you? Who do you think that uh, the next guy in line, next man up, might be quarterback-wise for the Giants? I think that I think Shermer loves Greer. I really do. Um, I, I'm not going to stand here and tell you that they're not taking Drew Locke or Daniel Jones. Yeah. Because they may like both of them. They both have ties either to the Giants or to Shermer, um, including the fact that Shermer sent his son, Kyle, to an SEC school in Vanderbilt and very much respects that conference and its ability and knows what it takes to win there. And Drew Locke played in that same conference. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I think that... You asked about Daniel Jones, and I think that's the best one to talk about because there are probably a lot of people in the Giants building. There are people a lot in the Giants building who love him for a lot of reasons. But I don't think Pat Shermer is looking for the next Eli Manning. I think he's looking for his quarterback. Yeah. And even though Greer's older, he's 24 years old, um, so much of what he is speaks to what the Giants and what Shermer once and I keep saying Shermer because even though Gettleman's the GM and again he's the one who's going to be making the pick Pat Shermer's been playing the good soldier with Eli Manning but he wants to develop a QB and he sat through a 5-11 and season last year where of course he made mistakes too uh, but I really do strongly believe that even though he's being the good soldier he wants his guy in the building and honestly I would put my money on Greer but you can't discount if they don't go QB at 17 with Locker Jones you can't discount any of the group of Jared Stidham, Ryan Finley, Will Greer in late first or second or third round. Um, but Greer, you know, Greer is the guy I'm going to plant my flag on because um, I think Jones, Jones or Locke wouldn't surprise me at all. Right. But I think Locke, Locke is my pick for the guy that if they draft the way I think the GM wants to and the way that Shermer wants to, I think the board is going to be too good at six and seventeen, at position players, yeah, for them to take a QB. Like well, you asked, you asked about best player available at six and how that can't be a quarterback. I actually think the same thing applies to seventeen. Probably. I agree a hundred percent. Pat, no. maybe could they could they do um, maybe uh, obviously defensive guy at six? Maybe uh, talking best best available at 17, maybe an offensive lineman, and then use some of that capital, all those picks that they have, and uh, and move up and take Greer, you know, maybe towards the end of the first round or the beginning of the second round. Is that something? Have your cake and eat it too? Definitely. And I think that that's actually the area where I think the offensive line run is going to happen. Hmm. Um, it, could happen or it could happen earlier, right? So if somebody, if somebody takes like a Jonah Williams, um, or somebody like that yeah. um, up high, 
then you might see Dillard from Washington State and Jawan Taylor from Florida. Uh, the one thing I keep coming back to about offensive line, though, is Dave Gettleman said this, too. When, when, he, when uh, somebody asked him about the strengths of this draft, like top to bottom, not necessarily in the first round, he did mention that offensive tackle was one. And when he says that, you need to hear what he's saying. What he's saying is, I can get a good offensive lineman in the second or third round. Okay. That's what he's saying. So when I hear that, I think to myself, that doesn't mean he's not taking an offensive tackle in the first because he might feel like Jawan Taylor from Florida is far and away the best offensive tackle, for example. And if he's there at 15 or he's there at 13 or if he's there at 17 or he's there at 15 and they need to trade up, that that's worth more than anything else. But Mm -hmm. if you can go into the second round and get, uh, you know, Titus Howard from Alabama State, or if you can, you know, wait till the, 17th or maybe you know Dalton Risner from Kansas State how far does he fall um there are just a lot of guys that they can look at that they might like in the middle round so it wouldn't surprise me if they went defense at 6 and 17 and then went that QB uh late first early second well, in that 17th pick, Pat, I mean, it seems that uh, the consensus in most mock drafts has Devin Bush going at 17 as as do you have him but uh, the, what the problem there is, uh, you know, there's a few that have Daniel Jones going in that spot. So if he's available at 17, is that where the Giants go, or do they stick with defense and, and Devin Bush? If Devin Bush is on the board there and they take Daniel Jones, you will hear my scream <laughs> across. You have him going <laughs> 11 to the Bengals. Code. I guess the Bengals really like Jones, right? I mean, I've I've heard. Well, yeah, that. and yeah. also and also think about think about too, Zach Taylor. They hung, they hire a young offensive-minded quarterback, head coach, and what? They're not going to give him a quarterback to develop? That doesn't make any sense. You know, with Andy Dalton is Tom Brady. Um, so I think <laughs> that really fits there. But you're, you're getting to a key question here, is that as much as we want to say, what you know, what will the Giants do at 17? And you keep asking the right question, which is, well, what's going to happen before it? And Locke, to me, is a real key here, because if Denver doesn't draft him, like I mock them trading up to get him, but if they don't take him and they go defense and they go Devin Bush, now you you may have you know if Washington likes Haskins and the Bengals uh, want Jones and no other team in that area really is going QB, now you could have Locke falling to the Giants at seventeen, and then that's where I think that could you know that could be the pick rather than Greer at. 37 or 30 mm-hmm. because the Giants might really like Locke too. I mean, nobody knows their exact board, but I could tell you that if they take Locke, Greer, or Jones, none of it would surprise me. But I really do, like if I had to, if I had to put my money down on it, I would say that I really, really, really don't think uh, Jones is Shermer's guy. I could be wrong, um, but I just, I don't know. I'm skeptical. So those are some first-round thoughts, of course, and the Giants have the two. I, I want to get your opinion on the Jets in, in a second, but we all know that depth uh, in drafting is the key to any team's success. So, you know, where are the Giants going the deeper they get? And should we have any reason to believe that there is success lurking there, giving— and it, listen, I don't want to get all on Dave Gettleman because he took over a situation where the cupboard was bare to a large extent. I don't like the moves he's made or his approach since. Nonetheless, uh, where are the Giants in all that, Pat? As far as their depth is concerned, 
they are uh, they are severely lacking. So where are they going to go? Well, part of part of the quarterback discussion is and at six and seventeen and even at thirty seven, and this is why some people speculate they won't even go QB at all, which I don't agree with. Well, because Eli's going to play one. forever. <laughs> right, right. But to your point, the Giants in this draft, I think they're going to draft a receiver in the middle rounds. This is a very deep receiver class. It's not incredibly, um, you know, there aren't like four receivers at the top that are just incredible players, but there are a lot of really good ones. Like guys like J.J. Arcega-Whiteside from Stanford and Miles Boykin from Notre Dame and Go Irish, by the way. and Hakeem <laughs> Hey, Butler. what's that all about? <laughs> yeah, right. And, you know, even Hakeem Butler for Iowa State. You know, th- th- that's what's interesting about this draft. You have so many players at these positions that are good enough that some teams, there's a lot of players in this draft that you could say, like Devin Bush, for example. A lot of people, including me, mocking him at 17 to the Giants, but if they took him at six, wouldn't be surprised. If uh, Hakeem Butler from Iowa State were drafted in the third round, wouldn't surprise a lot of people. If he were drafted in the late first, wouldn't surprise a lot of people. And there are some positions like that in this draft that are very deep across the board. But teams that the players that the Giants need include linebacker, corner, safe, free safety, uh, defensive tackle, outside linebacker, uh, one more wide receiver, off right tackle, um, maybe a better blocking tight end, which is why I throw Hawkinson into the mix. Mm-hmm. Um, but these are positions where they need better starters and they need better depth. Um, they're counting right now on Sam Beal being healthy at corner. And then they have Janoris Jenkins, who Dave Gettleman, by the way, conspicuously left out of his description of his defensive leaders mm. at his pre-draft presser and who he dangled heavily to teams at the trade deadline last year. Mm. Obviously, that would ruin your depth, too. But, you know, he ruined his depth by getting Olivier Vernon and Landon Collins and Odell out of here, too. Um, so that's a name I would watch that... Uh, maybe could be on the trading block to get the Giants some picks in the middle rounds. And to the point you're making, they have 12 picks, which is tied with the Patriots for the most in the draft, but they don't have a pick between number 37 in the second round and number 95 in the third. And I think you're going to look for Gettleman to make a trade up and get an additional pick in between those two because he said the first through fourth round of this draft are the strongest throughout that he has seen in a draft that he's been a GM of. Um, So I think he wants as many picks as possible in that range to get and to improve that depth. Interesting. Well, Matt brought up the Jets before. Let's take a uh, a bird's eye view of maybe what Gang Green will do. I guess conventional wisdom is that Kyler Murray will go one uh, and, and Nick Boza will go two. You're on the board. Mr. Leonard, you're running the Jets uh, camp. Who do you draft at number three, or do you trade out? Quinn Williams from Alabama. I think, uh, I think if a team like Washington meets my price, I trade out uh, because I, I know that McCag- – see, you, this is a good segue because we're just talking about the Giants needing a lot of starters but also depth. Mm-hmm. And the Jets are in that position too, except the Jets don't have 12 picks like the Giants. The Jets have six picks, and they've spent two, three twos to go get Darnold last year. So Mike McCagnan, who's on his about 11th life right now as general <laughs> manager, not only needs quality, he needs quantity 
to improve his offensive line, to, to give his defense a few more weapons, but also to keep his job, to win and keep his job. Uh, Sam Darnold's only going to buy him so much time. So I think that the Jets' first preference, their preference is to trade out. But those top three, top four, top five picks are so valuable you can't just do it because you want to. You got to get the right price, right? And if the, if it falls the way you just described with Bosa and Murray, or Murray and Bosa going one and two, there's a lot of people who think like I. You know, a few weeks ago, I was thinking based on how I think this is going to fall that, you know, if the top two pass rushers Allen and Bosa and two quarterbacks win, and then Devin White goes five, suddenly Quinn and Williams falls to the Giants. He's a star. Now that would be. That would be incredible for the Giants. But the more you talk to people, the more that it's – if there is any consensus in this draft other than that Murray is likely going number one, it's that Quinn and Williams is the best overall player. Yeah, yeah. So if he's there at three and the Jets don't get their price, you get him and you have him and Leonard Williams on that defensive line just because, again, just because he's not an edge rusher – doesn't mean he won't significantly upgrade your pass rush and mm-hmm. your pressure from the inside. And it seems like defensive players are going to be more of a, 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 a the risky picks are, are like the, the, the Kyler Murrays, right? The offensive, the skill positions, whereas the, the can't miss guys. And, and a lot of the articles I read are these defensive guys, Quinnen Williams, Nick Bosa, Ed Oliver, all these guys that, that would, so you would think with the Jets, the third pick, uh, Pat, would probably uh, be a good. It would be a good bet to take someone like Quentin Williams. I agree. Um, I think what you also have to look for at the top of the draft is. But I do think Murray's going to be the number one pick. But I think it could be the Cardinals. I also think the Raiders could be the team making that pick. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, mm-hmm. I envision. Tell me. Tell me if you agree with this. I envision John Gruden and Mike Mayock arm wrestling for it, <laughs> basically in the empty draft room. All their scouts are at home. Yeah, they Mayock send everybody home, right? That'd, <laughs> yeah. That's crazy. They are saying, John, you know, put down the Red Bull. Like we're not trading up. We're going to get a good player for. You know, calm down. Everything's going to be fine. Gruden's freaking out, drawing plays on the board. Uh, yeah. You know, why two banana? And he's saying, "I want this merry kid, man." <laughs> what? So they end up they end up arm wrestling and trading up to one with the cards. But Pat, let's talk about Kyler Murray because we saw this last year. Baker Mayfield came on late. Uh, same thing this year. Kyler Murray comes on late. You know, I mean, there's a bunch of red flags there. No, I mean, he's first of all, he's got a baseball career. He's a great baseball player. There's that. I mean, come on, the Bo Jackson days are behind us, right? And then again, I understand he can run like a deer. He's got a great arm, but he's a 5'10 quarterback. I mean, what happened to the idea that they just don't make it in the NFL? I, I, I grant it, you know, Russell Wilson at 5'11". Maybe he thinks he can be another Russell Wilson. But, you know, come on, we've got the Ty Detmers. we got the Doug Fluties. we got guys that, yes, we're serviceable quarterbacks, but we're never great. And I just think that is it, to, to think that he was gonna, he's going to be a great quarterback in this league and taking him at number one is a big risk, I would think. Right, and the interesting difference that you hear and read about uh, a lot and people will tell you is, First of all, Baker Mayfield six six one. He's not five mm-hmm. ten. Or honest, honestly, the five ten measurement. Who knows how that happened? Um, but secondly, May- Baker Mayfield has intangibles that now I know the analytics community might roll their eyes at that and say, "Listen, you don't even need the intangibles to demonstrate that he's a good quarterback." And I understand that. But 
as far as leadership goes and making the investment at number one overall, you're not just investing in the quality of player, you're investing in the quality of person and his reliability. Mm-hmm. And so those things are, those things seem to differ uh, between Mayfield and Murray as far as guaranteeing this guy is going to be all in. So when you hear that, you hear why, even as talented as Murray is, why there could be, might be, reservations there. There's also the idea that when you hire Cliff Kingsbury as the Cardinals, yes, you know, I've heard this and I, this does make sense. It's like, if you're going to hire this quarterback guru and this guy who you, you love how he works with QBs, you just invested in a top 10 QB and Josh Rosen. Aren't you hiring him to fix your first round investment, Josh Rosen, not to just draft another one over him and waste that pick a year ago. Yeah. And I understand that, but I don't think it's really ever happened before where we've had a draft like this, where this new coach comes out of nowhere being hired. I mean, first he was fired from Texas tech and hired by the Cardinals as their head coach <laughs> who had just hired a coach a previous year and fired him. Yeah. So it was so unusual. Dysfunctional. Then, yeah. And then think about this. Think about, I know it's, you know, we talked about it ad nauseum, but it bears repeating that then there's this clip of Kingsbury a year ago, saying that if he ever has the number one pick in the draft and Murray is in the draft, he's taking him. Mm. I mean, it's just such an unusual dynamic. But the bottom line is they also share an agent. I mean, literally at the Combine, the agent and Kingsbury are walking around together through the restaurants and bars at night. I mean, they're, this is all a thing. The agent went down there uh, for Murray's visit with the Cardinals officially. I do think part of the re- there's two reasons why the Cardinals aren't just saying, all right, we're taking him. Obviously, you're not going to do that yet. Um, but one is, I think, for TV purposes, the NFL just doesn't want them to. Yeah. Um, and two, I do think they are trying to dangle the pick to see what their options are. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't think their only options are just, hey, should we take Bosa or Williams or should we just take Murray? All the, all the noise I hear about whether they're going to pick him or not, to me, is a smokescreen for the Cardinals to try to find out how much a team like the Raiders will pay to come up. Right. And you mentioned another name, uh, and along quarterbacks, Josh Rosen is a name that is out there. Now, in no way do you think that they would ever, if they take Murray, they're not going to keep Rosen uh, on the roster. I mean, that would be crazy. But could that be someone that the Giants, maybe with their second-round pick, I know that that uh, that the, the Arizona team they want to get more than a second round pick. They said they listen. We gave up a lot to get this guy last year. We're not just going to give him away. But that could be something that uh, that the Giants or or some of these other quarterback hungry teams could take a shot at him. I agree. And honestly, a week ago, I would have said the Giants wouldn't go get Josh Rosen. I've heard some chatter recently about the fact that Uh-oh. they might be kind of sniffing around and that, uh, you know, it, it makes sense to do your due diligence, whether or not he's your guy, mm-hmm. uh, just to find out what the price is. But I do think it's interesting. I think it'll go all the way up until the draft. There is an argument for keeping Rosen on the team in Arizona in the sense that they paid him all his, you know, all his signing bonus money and everything last year. And this year, if they keep him on the roster, they're really only on the hook for a couple mil, I think. So yeah. as far as like roster management and also, yeah, you can never have enough quarterbacks. I mean, mm-hmm. let's be honest. I mean, I know there's the I know there's the idea, uh, the Parcells idea. If you have you know more than one quarterbacks, you don't have any. But um, the bottom line is, competition could be good for those guys in camp if they do draft Murray. But again, like I said, I think the noise about whether they would keep him and all of that, 
I don't think they're actually going to. I think they're trying to see who would come and get this guy if the Cardinals say, hey, you know what, we're just going to keep him. Forget it. They're trying to drive the price up. Um, if the Giants could get him for the number 37 pick, the fifth pick in the second round, done. I mean, I would run to the phone to make that to, to make that trade. Yeah. Uh, yeah I would no. sprint to the phone if I were Dave Gettleman. No question. Hey, so who's going to be the biggest bust? Who's the guy that we all think is going to be pretty good, but you have your doubts? Have you focused on anybody mm. like that? Uh, well, I do think Rayshon Gary and Montez Sweat are both going to slide. Um, I think Gary's going to slide, and I thought that before we just found out he has a hurt, he has hurt. like a labral tear in his yeah. shoulder that mm-hmm. needs to be repaired eventually. Um, I don't know if he will bust as a prospect, but I do think that teams are extremely wary of his inconsistency, and he has that potential too, even though he has such a high ceiling. Ed mm-hmm. Oliver is a total unknown in the sense of playing at Houston and the competition he's played against and the team he played against and you know, how will he fare when he's going up against NFL competition every week? There's that possibility for him as well. Um, I guess the best thing I could say, frankly, is I don't know where this positive, all the positive hype of Daniel Jones is coming from, Yeah, but I guess he would be my pick. Mm. He's my pick for a guy who will get drafted in the first round and be a bust. And I know he's not being billed as Real necessarily the second coming, but you know you've heard things like Gil Brandt talking about how similar he was to Peyton Manning coming out, um, and whether you love his toughness and his moxie and his characteristics, I mean the guy is just not that special unless he turns into that. And one thing I haven't liked hearing, which I disagree with as far as a scouting standpoint, people have been docking Dwayne Haskins points for playing with a lot of talent at Ohio State. Mm-hmm and giving Daniel Jones points because he wasn't playing with great receivers at Duke. Interesting. Right. I don't really follow that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I don't follow that logic. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, yeah, I guess my short answer would be Daniel Jones. Well, you know what? I, and I think that you, people, including guys who are paid a lot of money to make the picks, can overthink things like that. And and that's part of the fun of, of draft speculation. But really, I mean, after a while, like, because the guy's receivers were not as yeah. good or better. I mean, come on, the guy either has the tools yeah. or he doesn't. But I realize it's so difficult to predict who is going to transfer those skills. I won't say so difficult. We and have, have a pretty re- good idea year in and year out. But there are guys you cannot predict who are going to rise to the challenge and who will wilt because the, the league is littered with six-round picks who have become superstars, hello, New England, <laughs> and guys who are top picks who have busted out uh, <laughs> early in their career. So that's what makes it fun. But for the most part, I guess these guys do pretty much get it right. Pretty much. I will I will add one thing, too. The, um, one player that I mentioned, I think, briefly, but I think that the Giants do like, it's just a question of if he falls to them or not, is Brian Burns from Florida State. Mm-hmm. Um, on the edge, can really run, can cover, can pass rush. Um, I think teams have said that they'd like him to be a little bit heavier, but he's but he's an incredible athlete. Um, but you know, is he good enough for them to take at six? I don't, you know, not a lot. Not a lot of people would predict he would go there. Uh, but he's a name that I would add to the group. Who do they take him at six? Maybe, maybe not. Is he is he available at seventeen? Probably depends on how many QBs go ahead of him. Last one for me, Pat. What are the odds on video dropping right as the uh, draft begins again of someone smoking marijuana <laughs> through a scuba mask? <laughs> oh, good grief! Good, good point. Good right. Point. I well, mean, this is hopefully. The- 
hopefully if you're hopefully if you're the if we're talking giants and jets if it's a player that you're involved invested in you've done enough good homework on it that whatever that video is that drops doesn't catch you off guard yes you know you know it'll be just to do the proper research it'll be just (laughs) gettleman's luck that they'll make the pick and then the video will drop of whoever he just chose oh i'd love to be a fly on the wall there yeah that'd be obj's uh, fault for sure um but you know what? Uh, here, here's what I will say. There's not an agent who shouldn't be having someone Scouring in his office going media. through social media to yeah. try to find something. That's number one. And number two, if I'm an NFL team, I got some intern yeah. who I'm saying, listen, here are all the guys on our board yeah. from you know one to 100. Your job yeah. and your only job is to go through every ounce of their social media yeah. and see if you can find something we should be concerned That's with. That's right. No doubt. Did you see that uh, the anecdote in Jenny Ventus's story in the MMQB uh, recently? No. It was about a late-round pick in recent years that one team was actually watching a live feed of a guy's draft party and saw him answer a phone call from a team telling them, telling him that they were going to take him with their next pick, and then the team watching traded up over them and got him. Oh, wow. I love it. Spygate, I love it. (laughs) Oh, wow. (laughs) Great get by Jenny. Pat, I have one more for you, and I didn't have a chance to talk to you about it since I know you've been on with the other guys, but uh, you know, now, several months after the big move, how do you feel uh, you know, on the eve of the draft about the Odell Beckham uh, move, and uh, will you root for him in a Browns uniform? Well, not to pat myself on the back, but I, my first feeling is that I was right. Uh, but, you were uh, right all along. You were on that <laughs> island, and you took a lot of grief on social media, yes, I know, sir. and you were out you're there. Not, you're not kidding. I should have dropped a few F-bombs like Glazer. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Um, no, but uh, the bottom line is I feel I feel like, first of all, that my understanding or my reporting, rather, on – the Giants' dynamic, what they're looking for, what they don't want in their building, what they were willing to do to get that dynamic out of their building was all accurate, was all telling of who this general manager is, what he's trying to do, um, and really, uh, again, as I always talk about, but it bears repeating, their continued allegiance to Eli Manning coloring everything they do. And the Giants refuse, they really want people not to think of it that way. But essentially, that's what this was. They went into the offseason. It was either Eli or Odell. Once they picked Eli, which, you know, as Gettleman made clear, he never didn't pick Eli, which is insane. But he said it wasn't a decision to make. Uh, but Beckham to, Beckham to Cleveland or Beckham to San Francisco or Beckham to Oakland, that was going to happen this offseason. And it's interesting, Oakland didn't happen because – even though the Raiders were interested, Antonio Brown burned every bridge in Pittsburgh <laughs> to the ground. And then John Gruden said, wait a second, I can get this guy for a third and a fifth? Right. And then mm-hmm. uh, San Francisco should have happened. Um, and Beckham honestly preferred California, as mm-hmm. we know from the Rams discussions the year earlier. Mm-hmm. Um but the number two pick prevented them from doing it. If the Niners had owned like the number 10 or 11 or 12 pick in this draft, he would be a San Francisco 49er. Mm-hmm. Not to mention that, of course, as Gettleman admitted, once he got an offer from John Dorsey, his buddy in Cleveland, he didn't even shop it back to the Niners or anybody else. He just mm-hmm. hunkered down in a room right. and got it done and didn't shop it around. Bad business. Right. Um, so I guess I would 
bring it full circle by saying, yeah, I'm rooting for uh, Beckham to succeed. Um, and I will say this, it almost feels like, at least so far, like I'm covering two teams in a sense. Because, like, you know, Gettleman's been dropping all these allusions and these digs at Beckham, or Gettleman's been dropping them at OBJ in his press conferences. And Beckham freaks out the other day on Twitter, or doesn't freak out, but basically puts Gettleman in his place and calls him out. Yes. And so that's, that's double the work, double the fun mm-hmm. for me. Yes. No, no doubt about it. Well, the, the last, it's more a statement from me. Actually, it's a question. Where is Lil Wayne hosting his draft party? Do we know? No, no. <laughs> only kidding. Only kidding. But we'll right. see uh, where he pops up on, yeah. uh, on Odell's timeline at some point. Well, the draft is Thursday. That's Thursday night in Nashville. The Giants are going to have a busy night. It's going to be very exciting. Pat, you've been on with us a bunch of times. It's great to have you on. You I really become, appreciate it, man. You become our draft guy. Football hey, guy. I love it. Let's all, Let's do it constantly let's do it after the draft because if there's anything that's going to be there more to talk about than what we've done now absolutely it's what the giants do with 12 picks huge draft absolutely definitely have you back on and thanks so much pat thanks pat thank you guys take care you right, too. Pat, thanks, brother. say hi to dave for us <laughs> <laughs> and that's pat leonard from the new york daily news and the giants man 12 picks so uh it's going to be a busy draft for him johnny they certainly Earned those picks. I mean, they were bad last year and they've been bad the last few years. So let's see if they can make some hay with it. They might wheel and deal a little bit. Um, again, at six, I want defense. And at 17, I want the best player available. Mm-hmm. Again, I don't want to shoot You're not thinking quarterback. quarterback no? I'm not. I don't want to shoehorn one in. I know that next year there's a couple of real good ones towards the top of the draft. I know you'd have to be really bad to get to the top of the draft again next year. But no, I, I'm I'm with, uh, with Mr. Gettleman, best player available at both spots. I think that's the smart way to go. As for the Jets, look... Uh, Pat was right. McCagden's gotten a lot of cover lately. Now it's put up or mm-hmm. shut up. Yep. You can only live on uh, uh, Sam, uh, you know, stink for Sam uh, and getting that pick right for so long. He's got to have more. He's got a new coach. Uh, he's got to show a lot of progress. Stand Pat year. at three. Take the pick. I'm with you. I think so. And that'll do it for us this week on More Sports Now. This is our podcast. It's a weekly podcast. So check us out on our site, moresportsnow.com. Check us out on Twitter, on Facebook, and Instagram as well. I'm Steve Titchener here with John McAleeby and Matt Lachlan. We'll catch you all next week. Bye-bye.